You're listening to The Extra Podcast, a podcast produced by Northview Community Church, where each episode will discuss a current event, a theological or cultural topic, and we'll answer a listener's question. We take our faith seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we invite you to laugh with us or at us. And we hope you enjoy this episode as Ezra, Mark, Crystal, and myself, Greg, will talk about Benny Hinn and the prosperity gospel. We'll talk about multiplication at Northview Community Church. And we'll also talk about what we're excited about for the upcoming year with a little peek into why Ezra doesn't actually want to be my friend. So if you want to learn more about Northview, go to northview.org. And if you have a question you want to have answered in an upcoming episode, email extra at northview.org. Thanks for listening to The Extra Podcast. My name is Greg Harris. I'm one of the pastors here at Northview Community Church. I'm joined around the table with our pastor of discipleship, Crystal Taves. Hello. With uh, our executive pastor of ministry development, Ezra Okoti. Hi, Greg. With our executive pastor of multiplication, Mark Birch. Woohoo! And our producer... Stephanie Warren Lang, oh, who is you smiling, her. who is one of the pillars of the church, someone I would never forget to mention. If Are you going to mention any her on the first take? You didn't remember her. Uh, we have no evidence <laughs> we of have. said take. It's true. It's been <laughs> expunged. We are uh, we are relaunching our extra podcast. We took a break over summer. Uh, we're in episode 397 of the extra podcast total. Uh, so we've been doing this for a little while, and uh, this ministry year. The Extra Podcast is going to have uh, three different segments that we talk about each time. So we're going to try to look at something that's happened uh, kind of current eventy around us in North America or globally that we want to chime in on a little bit. We're going to talk about a, a ministry or church-related or theological topic uh, that we think people uh, would be well-served to hear about. And then we also want to hear uh, from you, the listeners. We want to address a question that you guys have raised that you want us to address. So we'll have a listener uh, question section as well. So so uh, where can they submit their listener questions? If you want to submit a listener question, you can do so at extra at northview.org. Uh, and those or, come with baked goods, right? They don't, but you know what? On some of the big, bigger episodes, people have brought us baked goods. So yeah. uh, we have. Mark was very discouraged. I've this been morning, listening to this for years. It's my first time to sit at the table. I was expecting the baked goods. How do you feel about sitting at the table? Well, underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a vision in my mind of what this was, and We've it's disappointed not. him already. Northview has a has that effect on people. You know, from <laughs> a, a distance, people are like, Ooh. Wow. and then you get closer, and you're like, nah. Yeah. Yes. Eh. No, Greg, speak for yourself. I'm speaking for Mark. Oh, okay. Are you yeah. saying you wow everybody? Oh, Is that no, what you're no, saying? Not I wow. Like, oh. I get wowed. Oh, you get wowed. By the ministries of our church. Like, Crystal, I came to see the women's ministry. Yes, and you yes, were wowed. I you're, was you're, wowed. Did you wear a dress? chin was on Ezra, the floor. did you wear a dress No, I did night? not wear a dress. Uh-huh. I, I just, I see, I, I, I'd heard about uh, the, the women's ministry and them taking over almost every single room in the building on a Monday night for their Bible study. So I was like, ah, let me go and check this out. My goodness. Crystal walked me around the building, and she can tell you, my jaw was just scraping the car carpet the whole way. I was so amazed. That is a beautiful sight. I know, it was an image, wasn't it? The jaws. Yes, I love painting the picture. (laughs) Yeah, I was just absolutely overwhelmed and amazed and humbled at the evidence of God's grace in our ministries and our church. So, there are those who are overwhelmed, Greg. Just saying. So Mark's underwhelmed, Ezra's overwhelmed, (laughs) and (laughs) Stephanie Warren Lang is just whelmed. She's middle-whelmed. Uh, so our first topic that we want to talk about, a little bit of a current event uh, in the... the... price of crude oil. That's right. We're going to talk <laughs> about crude oil. 
This is where you come to for all of those conversations. Uh, Christianity Today, among others, uh, reported uh, a few weeks ago that Benny Hinn, who has been known to be a proponent of the prosperity gospel theology since his ministry began around the 1980s, uh, he has since, actually on September 2nd, during one of his uh, broadcasts, he said these words. He said, I'm correcting my own theology, and you need to all know it. He said that the blessings of God are not for sale, and miracles are not for sale, and the prosperity is not for sale. He says, I think that giving has become such a gimmick. It's making me sick to my, sum- to my stomach, and I've been sick for a while, too. I just couldn't say it, and now the lid is off. I've had it. I've had it. You know why? I don't want to get to heaven and be rebuked. And then he said, I think that time will, uh, and then some have said that they think time will tell whether this is a minor correction, something for publicity, or if it's the beginning of a new trajectory towards greater maturity. So Ezra, can you Mm. uh, clarify for us as uh, participants in the conversation, what is the gospel prosperity or the prosperity gospel theology? And in what way has Benny Hinn been a proponent of it? So basically, basically, those who teach uh, the prosperity gospel will say that God wants you to be happy. And if anything, God is committed to your happiness, and in particular, on this side of eternity. And so God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have money. He wants you to have the best houses, the best cars, the best vacations, the best jobs, and those kinds of things. So God is committed to that. Now, in order for you to tap into God's blessing over your life, there are certain things that you have to do, or should you say faith steps that you need to take. And one of the big faith steps you need to take is to to cast a seed, to plant a seed. So you have to give seed money. Depending on which prosperity teacher you're listening to, they'll have a figure. So some in Africa will have like 270 shillings. That would be just about three or four Canadian dollars. Uh, seed money. You come to North America here, depending on the pastor, they'll say, hey, it's maybe dollars, $50, $100, $1,500, $7,000 that you give toward the ministry as seed money. And when you do this, you now wait for your blessing. Your seed unlocks the blessings of heaven. Now, let's say, uh, and they'll have all sorts of testimonies of people who have given, and then the blessing of the Lord has come upon them. Now, let's assume that the blessing doesn't come. If anything, things go south for your business, for your financing, things like that. Then the, 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 the teaching of the rebuke would be, hey, Greg, you don't have enough faith in God to, to access this. So you need to give the seed money and you also need to have enough faith in God who moves mountains and all these blessings will come to you. Now, that is just a very basic approach to the prosperity theology. There are very various nuances to it and things like that. There have been some literature written um, about this subject, but yeah, basically that's what it is. Yeah, and often coupled with it is the health and wealth prosperity gospel. So right. not just the wealth side financially, but the physical health and the classic line is there's healing in the atonement, which means in this lifetime, all bodily ails should be healed. Yes. If you have faith, and so faith healers and prosperity gospel preachers often go, you know, arm hand in arm. hand. Mm-hmm. So what's the... Crystal, how would you... Uh, we had so many women come to the different women's ministry already this week. If there were people in that ministry who maybe have loved ones or friends who have been caught up in this kind of a thing, how would you... How would you pastor and disciple those people who have been caught up into this teaching to 
to get themselves out of it. And then we're and then I want to talk a little bit about Benny Hinn in particular. But to start, because we have real listeners listening who have real people in their minds who might have bought into this, how how do you pastor those people to engage with their friends regarding this particular issue? I think it's important to understand the scripture that the people are using because oftentimes. They, are, they have a scriptural base, but they've just taken that scripture right out of context, right? So they'll have the passage about Christ becoming poor so that we could become rich, right? And they'll use it, um, and they'll take that sound bite, and they will use it to promote their own kind of, their own uh, agenda. And so I would say, I would talk them through the, the specific passages that people use and explain to them kind of what that means in context, and hopefully they would help, that would help them know how to pass that information on to other people. But it's hard when people have, like I know one of my women leaders, her brother is really caught up in this, and she's had conversations ad nauseum with him about it, and he is so set on his mindset. Whenever you get stuck on a, a specific teaching, it's hard to convince people um, that they're understanding it wrong. But I think a commitment to studying the scriptures in context is going to help get rid of the prosperity gospel. Ezra, do you have any uh, stories about Benny Hinn in particular and his involvement in being a proponent of this uh, teaching? I mean, there, there are, there are <laughs> oh man, there are so many stories about, um, and not just Benny Hinn in particular, not just Benny Hinn in particular, but there, there are many prosperity gospel teachers who travel to Africa on big jets um, and they would be selling the gospel to people in Africa or in Haiti, Dominican Republic, saying, hey, the reason why you are so poor is because you haven't learned the gift of giving yet. Because a lot of mission, mission work in Africa is funded by North American churches, Canada, U.S., uh, some European countries like Germany, England. So the African uh, continent hasn't really been very good at self-funding when it comes to, 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 to missions. And so when an individual like Benny Hinn or others travel to Africa, they'll be pushing the people of Africa saying, hey, you need to give. You need to give your, your money or the little that you have. So, for example, there was one who went to Uganda, and I shared this in a, on, a, on a sermon uh, a number of months ago, where this particular preacher gets to Uganda, invited by, the, by, by one of the significant people in the, in the government in the nation at the time. Um, this person wanted uh, the preacher to bring revival to this country. And so they had this big, a massive open-air crusade in a big stadium like BC Place. And a lot of Ugandans show up and they do their thing. They sing, they worship, pray, and so on. And then it came toward the end of the meeting where it was, hey, let's now give. Bring your offerings to the Lord. You need to bring your seed. And so all these Ugandans packed into this stadium, began to give, and the baskets went around. People were giving. The money was brought to the front, to the altar, so to speak. And then the preacher looks at this basket, this the, the amount that had been collected, and says, see, the reason why God is not blessing this continent and this country in particular is because you guys are not giving enough. And, by the way, as he's saying this, his honorarium that he had asked for was a million U.S. dollars. So he now commands the ushers to take the baskets back out again and asking people to give everything they, can, they could to give because you want God to bless you. So people are giving everything, their bus fare, their cab fare, everything they had on them at the time. They gave all this money. Others were giving their clothing, their shoes, whatever, as an offering to the Lord because they really want the blessing of God. And people had already bought into this message. So you'd assume that this pro prosperity teacher 
would take all these gifts and say, okay, now the pastors of this nation, you cannot take this money and steward it well and bring the gospel to the corners of this nation where the gospel hasn't gotten and also help the poor among you. You'd assume that, right? Wrong. Shamelessly, he took all the money and left. Hmm. And say so now you, you, you're left wondering, okay, so you're just lining your pockets. And yes, you are hmm. preaching the gospel. And I say gospel in quotes. You're preaching the gospel there. And you're telling people to give because God has promised them riches on this side of eternity. See, the danger with the prosperity gospel is there is some truth to it, but mm-hmm. laced with a lot of lies. Yeah. Where you're telling people God is going to bless you on this side of eternity with riches. But you now just need to give and have faith. And the reason that... You, you're not rich anymore is because you don't believe enough. So you just have to believe more. Believe more and give more, believe more, and God will bless you. Oh, come on, man. It becomes so guilt-laden, right? Yes. If you pray for your person and he dies, and then it's your fault it's because your fault. you haven't you had pray. enough faith. Yeah, yeah, you didn't pray long enough. And yeah. there are those who are really sick with cancer, whatever, and... Um, they are told, okay, you know, you need to pray and trust the Lord. But now me going to see my doctor and going through chemo or whatever medication treatment that you need, oh, I'm not going to do that because doing that shows that I don't have enough faith in God. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go through treatments because I had to have faith in God. And then the person ends up either passing away or the disease gets worse and worse because they don't want to to look as though they don't believe because they went to the doctor. Really? Yeah, really. Horrible. So Come Ezra, help me distinguish between uh, prosperity gospel and the, the errancy of it and what we often talk about in stewardship, the principles of stewardship, where even in Malachi, the Lord says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, put me to the test in this to see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. So I've heard preachers talk about this, by bringing the tithe, you open the floodgates of heaven of blessings over your life. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Proverbs and all the principles about uh, frugal living and hard work Mm -hmm. and storing up, look to the Anto sluggard who stores up his food in season, Mm -hmm. and that over time, often biblical principles do indeed lead to prosperity. And I think even in our circles, many of our Mennonite forefathers who came with nothing in their pocket to this continent 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. and through hard work and frugal living and dedicated service of the Lord have now become very, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. So how do we contrast biblical principles of stewardship and mm-hmm. the error of prosperity gospel? I think the error of prosperity gospel says that God is committed to your riches. God is committed to your riches. He's not not committed to making you middle class. Like if you're middle class, you know, you're struggling. Yes, you don't have everything. You have some. Maybe just do one holiday and maybe it's just camping. But God is really committed to you going to Hawaii and you to going to Australia and cruising or whatever. So God is connected, is committed to you, to you having the big things, the jets, the Cadillacs, and so on and so forth. This is what God is committed to, is what the prosperity teachers would teach. Now, when you look at the scriptures, you will find, again, depending on where you're reading. So if you're reading Proverbs, again, here you find these are principles of how you ought to live your life. Principles. Um, does it mean, so if you're reading Proverbs, does this mean that if you do every single thing that Proverbs says, that you will now end up with what you get? So, for example, train a child the way that you'll go and they'll follow the path. Is that true for every parent? There are many parents who have trained their children in the way of the Lord, but their children have abandoned. Now, is Proverbs right or wrong? Now, we can debate about Proverbs and what it is there. When you look at Malachi, again, the Lord is calling people to give. Why is the Lord calling people to give? The Lord is calling people to give so that they can trust in him. Mm -hmm. 
So to remember that the Lord is the one who provides for you. So let your money or your wealth not be the God that you worship. Let the Lord who provides the dollars, the Lord who provides the meals, he is the one who ought to be worshipped. So this is the reason why we give. And then those who receive those monies, then you administer them well in a manner that will be glorifying to God. So you help the poor, help the sick, advance the kingdom of God and things like that. So this is why we give, to show that our dependence is not on the dollars we have, but our dependence in the, is on God. And so the Lord will bless some, yes, because the scriptures do teach. It's not your hard work that makes you rich. But it is the Lord who makes you rich. Where do we get this? Look at Daniel. And what does Daniel tell Nebuchadnezzar? You know, it is the Lord of heaven who has made you what you are. Look at Pharaoh. Moses is saying, yeah, the Lord, the Lord is one speaking, saying, hey, I will raise you up so that I may show my glory to all the earth. So it is God who is raising people. Whether you believe in Christ or not is not an issue. The Lord is the one who's responsible for the success or failure of everybody. For a Christian, I would argue, those who are wealthy, God God has given you access to the wealthy of our community, where you have access to preach the gospel and proclaim Jesus to those whom I, who are not wealthy, cannot access those people. And if you're really poor, God has given you access as well to those who are really poor, and you can preach to them the gospel in a way that Ezra can't because Ezra is middle class. So God will put you in whatever socioeconomic status as a Christian for his mission purpose, but he'll also call you to give so that you show that you trust in him. So, I think, oh, I was just going to say quickly, I think Hebrews 11 is such a good balance there because it just talks even about the promises of God being fulfilled in our lifetimes. And he commends some people for faith and they saw the promises, like Abraham saw some of the promises fulfilled, right? But there's others within the passage of Hebrews 11 who God had given promises to and they kind of lived their life without seeing the fulfillment of that. And mm-hmm. that is a Christian, ba- like the balance of a Christian mm-hmm. life. Some people will see some of God's um, specific promises come within this lifetime. Others won't, but we know that that eternal security and that inheritance that's kept for us in heaven is right. for everybody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love John Piper's comment on this to say the prosperity teachers uh, have everything right except the timing. Exactly, yeah. That the gift of total physical healing, the gift of spiritual riches, all of these are true in Christ but the fulfillment is the other side of eternity. Mm. Right. Not we see here. glimpses yeah. of it here, right. and sometimes incredibly generous glimpses where God does heal, God does give wealth, mm-hmm. but the true wealth comes on after the faithful life on the other side of eternity. Yeah. The wealth that never, that never uh, dies or disappears, the health mm-hmm. that never dwindles. Like Think about it this way. If you prayed for someone to get healed, and you trust the Lord to show his glory by healing the person, if the Lord does that, praise God, the person has been healed. But mm-hmm. guess what? That healing has a shelf life. Because they will die again. They'll yeah. die again. Yeah. And there'll be another disease that comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it has a shelf life on this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of eternity, it is ultimate healing. No more cancer, no more whatever that would cause the body to break down. So, yeah. So to tie a bow on this conversation, Benny Hinn is a guy who has apparently turned away from teaching the prosperity gospel message and is Mm. wanting to not, as he said, get to heaven and be rebuked. Mm -hmm. How do we, in the meantime, uh, look at someone like a Benny Hinn and his ministry? So, Mark, how how would you uh, counsel people in light of this news about Benny Hinn's uh, turning away from this? How now do we think about a guy like Benny Hinn? 
Yeah, I mean, generically, that that category of teacher, I think, as leaders, we need to be cautioning our people uh, anything to do with the uh, the health and wealth prosperity gospel and the fallacies that go along with that. Um, on Benny Hinn or any, whether you call them false t- teacher or maybe just heretical teacher, I think of, uh, is it, was it John W. Armstrong? Uh, so Worldwide Church of God Armstrongism that turned the corner. So it was classified as a cult in his 90s. He repented and said, we had it wrong. Hmm. They rewrote the church doctrine, and they have come back full swing into the evangelical movement, which I think is one of the only denominations, quote-unquote, that has turned the opposite direction and come back towards Hmm. an evangelical middle. So I I think that's possible. We should pray for these leaders. They have an incredible audience. And if Benny Hinn is genuine, I have not listened to that entire interview. I just got a clip of it on some social media post. Um, if he's genuine and the fruit of that uh, genuine repentance is true, God bless him, and hopefully he can turn around his listeners. It would be interesting, mm-hmm. though, that when you've led listeners for years and years, mm-hmm. literally decades, with this kind of teaching, I wonder whether his listeners will even receive his repentance. They'll just find another teacher. Mm. Interesting. There's a great um, show put out by, I think it was Amazon, called American Gospel, where they interview a lot of different teachers um, about the whole prosperity gospel, and it'd be a really good watch if you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I think great. it's an hour and a half or so documentary. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, you. I, I will just say, kudos to him for, for recognizing and and being big enough to say, you know what, I got it wrong. So you have to give a guy that. Now, whether this will be lasting, mm. well, time will tell. Mm. Yeah. All right, moving on to another topic. Uh, we've talked a lot in the last few months and year and a bit about uh, multiplying and multiplication and Northview being a multiplying church and all that kind of stuff. So, Mark, you uh, you have a job now at the yeah. apparently underwhelming Northview. Yep, I was unemployed before. Of your own words. And uh, can you help us unpack in our minds, when we say multiplication, what are we actually talking about here? Yeah, the big concept that I kind of frame it with is uh, living organisms, healthy li- living organisms multiply. That's just simply a principle. And uh, the simplest analogy would be a, a new family unit. So we've all walked uh, down the, the marriage aisle ourselves, many of us, and others. We've all attended weddings, and we've seen these things. We've seen a family unit. And the assumption that undergirds this, uh, I would say 99.9% of the times, is that they're going to have a family. They may wait a few years by their own choice, uh, and we've walked with couples who desperately want to have children, can't have children. So it's natural for healthy living things to reproduce. If you bring that to the church uh, and Jesus' command to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, the whole idea of multiplying the message of the gospel around the globe, uh, which is currently 7 billion people in 240-some-odd nation-states, and the idea that God has his eye on individuals all around the globe, and you fast forward to the Revelation 7 picture where millions upon millions from every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue are around that globe, our responsibility is to reach out to those who haven't yet heard. So you look at the North American context, and even though in the evangelical world every church we attend was at one point a a church plant, Northview included, coming up on 40 years here pretty quickly, uh, 93% is the, the most recent study I've looked at. 93% of evangelical churches never reproduce. Mm. They don't daughter a church. They don't partner with the church mm. plant. 
So it's a one life cycle life that they have. And you apply that to marriage and family, and you go, if 93% of adults chose to not have children, we know what would happen to our population base. So I I think the exciting part for Northview is to look at Canada and the needs. uh, Throw a dart anywhere on the map. Anywhere that dart lands, there are spiritual needs. So whether it's right here in Abbotsford, the majority of people, I would suggest the majority of people in Abbotsford, even though we call it the Bible Belt, haven't rejected the gospel. I think they haven't heard the gospel in a way that they could even reject the majority, Mm. if we believe the stats. And certainly um, in city after city across the nation, and even in particular maybe our rural areas, where many uh, gospel-present churches were there, uh, those are disappearing, and many, many communities now stand without a gospel witness entirely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a long, rambling answer, but God's called us to multiplication, and uh, I'm excited about the vision. Uh, it begins by multiplying disciples, by multiplying leaders, by multiplying churches, uh, and Lord willing, by multiplying uh, a whole movement. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, Crystal, um, I am a Northview member, and I am excited about this vision, but I don't understand how I can be a part of this. So maybe I've, I've given some extra money to the church because we know that the church budget is trying to go towards multiplication. Uh, and so, you know, I've upped my giving, but beyond... So up yours. But <laughs> I've upped mine. Whoa, we don't up edit yours. this thing, man. <laughs> yeah. You can't say that on... It's the first time. It's his first time. <laughs> Rookie mistakes. email... It's a great fundraising strategy. M. Birch. <laughs> I've upped my giving, so you... Amazing. Amazing. Uh so, Crystal, how do I participate in this multiplication vision beyond a financial contribution to the to the church and to trusting guys like Mark to, like, once in a while act like an adult and do his job uh, <laughs> rather than just make Ezra cry laughing? How, how do I get involved in the multiplication vision? Um, well, I think being part of one of our church campuses is a great place um, f- if there's a way that you can get involved in a new area, if we're starting a new church in Maple Ridge, say, um, are you going to commit yourself to that campus if you live in that area? Are you going to commit yourself to having, to being part of on the ground of that kind of thing? Um, and then I would say encouraging younger leaders, like trying to find people in your midst that you know, whether if you're a leader or people in your community groups, people in your Bible studies, people who you feel have leadership gifting, um, fan that into flame. Encourage them. Um, encourage them to go on for education if if that's appropriate, or encourage them to serve. Um, so, building a community of people, I think, that are wanting to do this journey together would be the best way you can, other than giving money. Ezra, would you add? How, how do we encourage people to engage with this vision beyond just giving money to the church? <clears throat> I think. Um if we are to see multiplication happen, uh, what are we multiplying? We are multiplying disciples, people who will be followers of Jesus Christ. And so I think it begins in the grassroots level for each one of us to ask ourselves the question, how am I making disciples? Am I telling anyone mm-hmm. in my circle about Jesus? Anybody. It could be my coworker, my neighbor, my family member. We all have people in our in our lives who don't know Jesus? Do they even know the gospel that I believe? And I think it is um, starting by praying for them. Everybody can do that. I can pray for my non-Christian neighbor or non-Christian family member. So you pray for them, and then you also ask the Lord 
to give you opportunities where you can share this message. And maybe you may say, but I don't know what to say. That's a good question. Approach any of your st- our staff members. Come and talk to Crystal. Send us an email and say, hey, guys, I just need to know how, how do I tell someone about Jesus? How do I even have that conversation? There are various avenues and classes and books and things that we can provide for you, various resources that will train you and teach you and coach you. Greg Harris to wrote a book on mm-hmm. how to have a gospel, gospel conversation. Exactly. We can give away free copies. We signed copies even. It's a booklet. Yes. Yeah, so, so he pamphlet. will sign it and give it away. Right. So I think it, it just begins there, where <laughs> where every single one of us, if we can commit to say Jesus Christ gave us the great commission, Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always, to the end of the age. So if that command is for all of us, both corporately and personally, then we all have a role to play in our spheres of influence to to get engaged. Yeah, Ezra, I think you're onto something. And I I think a a good question mark for all of us. uh, So this past weekend, there were several thousand people that showed up at services at Northview Church in the various locations. And if we were to say every one of us knows people who are far from God, however you would define that, and to say, are we praying for them? Are we loving them? And that mm-hmm. simple step of just going, if the thousands of us, each one would say this one person this year, not to make them a target, not to make them a project, but say, this is a person I love. This is a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister. This is a neighbor. This is a coworker. Mm-hmm. I genuinely love this person. They're a friend of mine. And if our doctrine, if our theology is true that says there is a real hell and eternity is coming, and we're concerned for their salvation, we would be doing all we can. And so I think, great to get back to your point of how do we get involved in multiplication? Yes, there's the macro picture of Northview multiplying campuses, raising up leaders, that we will do that, yes and amen. But the thousands of us in the majority of the hours of our week that are not spent in some church gathering, mm-hmm. looking around our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our, our playgrounds, and even just basically asking that question, do I have significant non-believing friendships that are not projects, they're not my target, they're not my conversion experience, but I genuinely have friends that I love, that I'm caring for and praying for? Even if we just did that, that would be a huge win towards multiplication. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. So we're going to move into a listener question. Uh, if you have a question you want to ask the podcast to answer in the future, you can email extra at northview.org. Uh, here's one that we got in from... Are you going to do it uh, in the listener's voice? Uh, no. I think you should do it in the listener's voice. <laughs> we should get them to call in their question and have them phone in. We could have a little Are like... Recorded? We could insert a little like phone ringing noise. I am calling from Kenya. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have the technology to do that. Here's a question that came in through uh, Instagram, and it was this. Uh, why, why won't Ezra reciprocate my attempts of friendship? And that was from someone named Craig. <laughs> why won't Ezra reciprocate my, my efforts of friendship? Yeah. No, you see, Greg, Greg torments me a lot. This is Greg Harris. This is well, Greg I, Harris. I, yeah. This I can't is Greg confirm. Harris. He can't confirm or deny which Greg it is? Which Greg it is? It but just says from Greg. Yeah. There's more than one Greg. Long, long time participant, first time questioner. That's yes. all they said. 
That's right. No, Greg has always been tormenting me. Every time he sees me, he kind of lifts his eyebrows up at me and he shows me this love heart and he wants to hug me and rub my head. But you are a discerning uh, friend chooser, are you not, Ezra? What? You are a discerning friend chooser. Yes, and I've discerned Greg now. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But he's not getting the message. So why? The question is why? Why? Why do you not choose Greg? Yeah, we understand that, that you co- haven't. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. been that's clear. Let's mm-hmm. go offline. <laughs> he he has some quirks that mm. I I'm trying. I'm trying to yeah. to, to, to like, Good. but they're not there. Good. <laughs> I'm not there yet. See, we, we are desperate for people to send in some questions yeah, to extra at North so that next week we'll actually have a listener question. A real question. That's right. Rather than this weird. So here's here's a real question from, from Greg, a uh, long-time participant, first-time questioner. Uh, give me one thing, each of you, that you are excited to see uh, happen in your life or ministry this fall. Mark, what are you excited about seeing what, what could potentially happen in the next few months ahead of you? I'm excited already about the number of emails and phone calls I've received from potential young leaders who are hearing the Northview story through various ways, mm-hmm. uh, by word of mouth, uh, a friend of a friend, through some even denominational circle going, hey, we hear you want to develop leaders, you want to plant churches, I think God may be calling me to that. And frankly, what I'm saying at this point in time is, yeah, we're just building this, give us a year, give us a few months, come back later. Um, But it's really encouraging to me that uh, the Lord is answering our prayer, Uh, He is raising up workers, He is raising up leaders. That's very exciting. Very cool. Crystal, what what are you excited about seeing in the months ahead of you? Um, I think one of our new initiatives in women's ministry is we're starting up some ESL courses that are Bible studies, and we've never done that before. So we have tried lots of things. We have grown in lots of ways, but we've never tried um, kind of reaching out to people whose English is not their first language. And so I'm encouraged to see how that goes. We have three people that are willing to lead that up, lead up those that course on a Wednesday morning. So exciting. <clears throat> yeah, he- I am so... I'm really eager to and get excited to know Greg. To, <laughs> to get to know Greg, I know. I'm really eager and excited to see the people whom the Spirit of God will call into ministry and ministry either bivocationally or even full-fledged missions. Because if you're saying multiplication, obviously we need. Uh, church planters, campus pastors, missionaries, those kinds of things. And I know, I know in our pews each weekend, there are men, women, children, young adults whom the Spirit of God is wooing and calling to step up courageously and go to the mission field, be it a church in the Fraser Valley Lower Mainland or a church in another part of the world. To, to, to serve the King of Kings. And so I am so excited and I can't wait to, to begin hearing those stories mm. of people coming forth and saying, you know what, guys, I am hearing the Spirit of God saying, this is what we need to do. I need to pack my things and grab my wife and my kids. And yeah, we are willing to go to Turkey. Or we're willing to go to Quebec to plant churches. We're willing to go to the northern interior part of Canada where people are there, but there's no gospel presence. So... It is. It is a. It's a remarkable time in the life of our church, and I'm really excited to see what the Lord will accomplish in and through the ministry of Northview. That's great. Uh, well, Mark, do you uh, do you want to close us off in a prayer? Just pray for some of the things that have come up in 
our conversations, and uh, we'll send the listeners off with a, a prayer. Absolutely. What, Lord, I pray for each one of us, and I pray for those who are listening to this uh, podcast, uh, whatever point in the future they happen to pick up this particular uh, episode. And Lord, we know uh, from the beginning of time that there have been uh, true teachers and false teachers. Uh, you warned us yourself about that. So as we talk about um, the reality that in our day there are some who have taken your word and they are using it for uh, wrong motivations, we pray for incredible wisdom for your children as your sons and daughters, that we would have discernment to weed out those who are not teaching us a true gospel, and that we ourselves would be always walking faithfully uh, in the truth of your word. Uh, Father, we do uh, look forward to this ministry year and the idea of multiplication and the growth not just of our gatherings when we're here together on a weekend or in our community groups spread across the city, but as we're scattered into the workplaces and the schoolyards, our neighborhoods, and for many of us, just simply our circle of friends, where we have friends who don't yet know you. Mm. So Lord, we're asking uh, for everybody who calls Northview their home, that this year you would give us opportunities for those gospel conversations we acknowledge, Lord, it is only your spirit that can open up uh, the heart of an individual to a spiritual conversation. We can't humanly do that, so we are asking that you would orchestrate those divine appointments where we can have an opportunity to share our faith and to do it winsomely. And then, Lord, uh, we just thank you for the abundant blessing that you have given this church and the many, many opportunities, even uh, just listening to Ezra talk about uh, the rooms being filled with women who are here studying the scriptures, the reports we heard from youth ministry this week uh, with a full house starting off the year, and every department is celebrating your goodness. And Lord, we want to bring these offerings back to you and say, take these few talents that you've given to us, and would you fan them into flame for your glory? and multiply it across Canada, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.